I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. podcast with me Carly. Hope you are all well witches. Our book review today is a bit of a cheeky one. I have finished another book to talk to you about for next week but this week me and Rachel's new book The Hedge Witches Half launches. This is our second offering from the Hedge Witches Library and the themes are The House Witch, Sea Witch, La Masse and Mabon. Our little book covers everything from the element of water to different types of water and their magical properties for spell work, house magic, la masse, the sunflower and sunflower recipes, sun magic, the sea witch, seawater magic, the sea's bounty and using it in your craft, the sea witch's altar, the hedgerow, mushrooms, the nettle, the hedge witch's apothecary, how to preserve herbs using the four elements, Mabon, equinox magic, the hazel tree, Kernanus, Baba Yaga, the psychopomp, kitchen witchery relating to the season, the cauldron and witch bells. It does of course have the look of a village parish booklet yet it is full of much heathen content. I feel very fortunate to work with Rachel. I truly adore her writing style and I thought I would read you a snippet of her writing in a fragment of the Sea Witch section. If home is where the heart is, for many witches, their heart belongs to the elements. It is a particular type of hedge witch who makes a home by the sea. Turn away, if you will, from the boxes that tell us you have to be one thing or another. A witch is precisely what they know themselves to be. The hedge witch also knows this can change with a whim. If, as the long months of summer stretch into the sultry days of early autumn, the witch finds they are spending a little time by the sea, then the title of sea witch may fit comfortably for a while or perhaps a little longer. Do not let mere geography be any kind of block to what you know at heart you are. Using imagery, visualisation and powerful intention, you can cast your sea magic as though you live in that rugged seashell coastal cottage of which you dream. The coastal terrain is wild and untamed. Plants grow here that cannot grow elsewhere. Plants that can thrive in salt water or on land, depending on the level of the ocean or the turn of the tide. 
Plants are always adept at fitting to their environment to ensure their survival, and this seems even more potent by the sea. Faced with the intensity of coastal extremes, both sea witch and sea plants weather the storm of life with a fierce defiance. The witch's relationship with the sea is well documented, and stories of witches at sea are plentiful. We sail the seas in eggshells, we summon winds and call forth storms. Sailors fear us, and there is much folklore concerning protective charms and practices to ensure safe passage across the sea. In order to conjure storms and call in the winds, it is to the weather and the moon that the sea witch turns. Whether they believe they control the currents and tides of the seas, or live as one with its tempestuous nature, is for you to decide. Whichever you choose to be true, it is in this environment they thrive and practice their magic. So this little book should be up on Etsy for Tuesday the 19th of July, Worst case scenario, Wednesday, 20th of July, if you would like to purchase a copy. We can send our book out across the world and we have been with our first offering, The Hedgewitch's Garden. That is our first little zin we produced, which we are over the moon to say has become an Etsy bestseller. If you bought a copy of that, we are truly grateful. It has been such a joy to send them out personally to you all. I'll put a link in the show notes for our store if you would like a copy. And we are, of course, truly grateful if you do purchase one. Now, today's episode is going to get really deep. You may want to grab a pen and paper to take some notes. It is almost workshop-like and is based on the Enneagram and the Tarot by our wonderful Erin from Arcana Crafts who I'm sure you will remember from our previous episode on tarot on the podcast. Erin of Arcana Crafts is a tarot reader, tarot teacher and energy healer from Seattle. Erin specialises in setting a safe and sacred space to help you receive messages from spirit and connect to your higher self. She utilizes a proactive tarot reading style that aims to empower you to take action, to move forward on your healing journey. So you can actively create the future you want rather than just predicting it. Her energy healing modality is a blend of psychic energy healing and Reiki. She gives readings and healings over Zoom. You can find more on her website, details for her website and all her socials. I will add to the show notes. Join me after the break for Enneagrams and the Tarot. Welcome back. So I'm ever so excited because I have my very good friend back to join us. We are, I feel extremely honoured to say we have the wonderful Erin from Arcana Crafts with us here today. Hello, Erin. Hi, Carly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm, I've got an insight, like I've got an inkling on what we're going to be talking about today. And I, I know, like I really think the witches are going to absolutely love this. I feel very honoured that you are giving up your time to do this today. So thank you. Thank you. And, um, <laughs> 
And I am just going to um, be quiet as a mouse that you um, tell us lots of exciting things about tarot. So Erin, what are you going to be talking to us about today? So we will be talking about tarot and the Enneagram. So the Enneagram is a personality test. It's based off the numbers one through nine, and each number corresponds to a different personality type. And in the Enneagram, each personality type is defined by their core fears, their core desires, um, and it kind of explains why we behave the way we do, why we want the things we want, even when we, it's kind of beyond our conscious understanding why we act the way we do. The Enneagram helps explain kind of what's going on beneath the surface. And I personally have found it eerily accurate, so, so accurate. <laughs> and I've learned a lot about myself from it. And, you know, I like to think I'm pretty self-aware, <laughs> but the Enneagram is a whole new level because it just frames your personality in a whole new light. Um, but what really is, oh yeah. Erin, this is actually, this is really exciting because until we'd spoken, I hadn't heard of the Enneagram at all my pronunciations. And actually, I know me and your boyfriend, we share the same one, didn't we? And I know you're going to yes. get into this, but um, like you say, I think it is so fascinating. All the things I found out, we haven't even got into this episode today, but I definitely think that people will find, even just looking at their Enneagram like before they even kind of get into this episode will be very mind-blowing and I'm so like <laughs> triggered by like how much you know there was so much that finding out mine gave information wise that really yeah. stunned me how much they get from you know the tests that you can do and so on so yeah really excited for this absolutely yeah so you can if you're listening, if you can find your Enneagram by taking a test online, I think that's what you did, Carly. Um, but also, if you want to just be spontaneous with it, you can listen to this episode. And as we're explaining the different Enneagram personalities, you will probably know which one is yours by how cringe it is. You might feel like you're put under a microscope kind of embarrassing the Enneagram is like tarot in the way that it is not sugarcoating it it can be a little bit blunt and very to the point that's what I meant about being triggered as well because it was like yeah. like a, it's yeah. not but it's very much like you know I mean I always say this with the tarot it's a bit like a personal attack like yeah. did you just like when I did my Enneagram I was like oh yes that's me <laughs> yep me too 100 <laughs> percent but no, I'm really excited to get into this. So I'm going to be quiet unless the only time I'm going to like interject with your permission is if something comes up and I've listened to everything and I think that myself and other witches might have a bit of a query about it. So I will hand things over to you and please take it from here, Erin. <laughs> okay, great, great. Okay, so there's one more thing kind of to explain in the introduction part. So I'll, I'll jump into that. So... In addition to the Enneagram being so accurate, what really blew my mind about it was when I started kind of tying it together with the tarot. So being a tarot lover, like I had to go there, I had to do it, it's just mm -hmm. natural. Um, so tarot is also based on numbers, right? And we can mm -hmm. look at the first nine tarot cards 
And those first nine tarot cards line up very, very well with the nine Enneagram personality types. And we do this based on numerology, which just means the study of numbers and their like spiritual meaning. Mm -hmm. So we may ask like, what is so special about the number nine or why are there nine personality types? And how can that work with tarot if there's 78 tarot cards? Um, but again, it's all based on numerology. So the numbers one through nine are called the root numbers in numerology because those are the numbers that each have an individual meaning. And then every double digit number, you know, 10, 11, 12, um, those numbers have a meaning that is the combination of the two individual numbers. So if we're talking about tarot, let's say the number 10 tarot card is the wheel of fortune, the numerological meaning of that would be one plus zero, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So we will go over the nine Enneagram personality types and associate them with the first nine tarot cards, which are the magician through the hermit. And I like to think of those first nine tarot cards, just in my personal opinion and practice as the very basic archetypes of the tarot and kind of the rest of the tarot journey kind of compounds or builds upon those first nine cards. Mm -hmm. So you can go either way. You could use the tarot to understand your Enneagram type more, or you can use the Enneagram to understand your tarot reading more. So sometimes I draw from the Enneagram personality types when I'm giving a reading. Let's say I pull a number two card, like the two of pentacles or something. I may think about the number two Enneagram personality type. So you can really add a lot of color and depth and more personality to your tarot readings by incorporating other systems like the Enneagram. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into each number, starting with the number one. So the number one Enneagram type is called the perfectionist. They have a basic fear of becoming corrupt or evil their basic desire is to be good, to have integrity, to be a good person. And they're motivated by wanting to be right, to be better, to improve everything around them and to accomplish great things. So the type one is definitely a perfectionist. They have a very clear life mission and they work very hard to achieve their life mission. They have a strong sense of responsibility and they have great follow through. Like if they say they're gonna do something, they're gonna do it. They hold themselves to a very high standard. So mm -hmm. sometimes they can be overly critical of themselves or of other people, but they definitely get results. Um, and they are very concerned with being a good person. So they think a lot about doing the right thing according to their own morals or their own ethics. You know, we're going to do this and I'm literally just sitting here thinking, I know one of those. Yes. <laughs> I know one of those people. Like we little, I think we're all going to be sitting here like, yes, I know one of those or that's me. <laughs> I know one of those. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of Virgos. Yes. Oh my God. The person that I'm thinking of is a Virgo. That is. Yeah. 
Oh my god. I have Virgo rising, so I get it. I get it. Love this. Love this already. Creepily accurate. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So an example of a famous Enneagram type one is Joan of Arc. So Joan Mm -hmm. of Arc is a hero and has even been canonized a saint. So she grew Mm. up poor. She was a peasant girl. And so she rose above obstacles. She rose above adversity, um, even hiding the fact that she was a woman so she could fight and be a soldier and, you know, led her country to this incredible victory. So that Mm. is very much the Enneagram one kind of rising above all odds to do what they think is right. And in addition to that, you know, Joan of Arc had visions. She heard voices from God that kind of inspired her and guided her along this journey. So it has a bit of a spiritual undertone too, that the Enneagram one will rise above anything to do what is right, Mm -hmm. what they believe is right. And so the number one tarot card is the magician. And the magician card, it like contains the spark of life. It has like the power to make anything happen. It's like the moment a seed is planted and a new plant grows, new life begins. So you can imagine the magician is like a master manifester, the ability to get anything done, to get anything they want. And just like the Enneagram one, the magician has a sense of mission that inspires him to improve his circumstances, to overcome adversity. So this is an individual who's ready to go forth and conquer and achieve the extraordinary, something really, really great. But, you know, the phrase with great power comes great responsibility. And that kind of ties back to the Enneagram one with their core fear being to become corrupted or evil. So it's a reminder Um, to use our power for good uh, so that we don't hurt ourselves or others if if we don't use our power appropriately. That's really interesting as well, because I guess it could slightly go wrong at times with that Enneagram if they maybe go off course or go wrong with it or outside influences that's really yeah and I and and that matches so well like you know that that card matching that actual enneagram is like spot on you know I I can Mm -hmm. absolutely see that Mm. I'm interested to see what my tarot card is going to be for what mine is and I'm sure everyone else will be as well but yeah that's, that's really a match there with those two absolutely it is really a match So the Enneagram number two type is called the giver. So the giver's basic fear is to feel unwanted, unworthy, or undeserving of love. Mm -hmm. Their basic desire is just to feel loved. And they're motivated by wanting to express their feelings and to feel needed, to feel appreciated, and to know that other people feel positively about them. So they're just so, so sweet. I'm really lucky to have a lot of type twos in my life, some of my best friends and my mom. So the type two is so generous, nurturing, very selfless, and so can sometimes be people pleasing. 
They mm -hmm. have a very high importance on relationships and they can tend to put other people before themselves, but they do genuinely love to help. They love to be there for you, but they can struggle with being too selfless, like selfless to a fault. And then they end up not having their own needs met and they yeah. may almost have like a little sense of pride about this or like a chip on their shoulder, like everyone else is needy and I'm not. Like I'm the one who takes care of everybody else and no one takes care of me. Mm -hmm. But a famous type two is Mother Teresa. So Mother Teresa, you know, has received the Nobel Peace Prize. She helped the poor, like the poorest of the poor, the sick, the dying, um, deserted babies and orphans. So this is someone who is an incredible nurturer and dedicated their whole life to service and to helping others. Yeah. And this whole thing with the type two, it reminds me of this concept that I play with in my head, which is we give the love we want to receive, right? And since the type two's basic desire, the thing they want the most is just to feel loved they're always giving it. They're always giving so much love to everyone around them because their desire is to be loved in return. And the tarot card associated with the number two is the high priestess. So the high priestess is kind of polar opposite to the magician. So the magician was very action oriented, very individual on their own. The high priestess is more passive. So she teaches us really that sometimes it takes more strength to be passive, to be gentle, to be peaceful. There's a sense of calm and serenity and stillness with this card. She possesses an incredible intuition. The high priestess is the pure embodiment of divine feminine energy, which is receptive and magnetic. So she does not chase, she attracts. So in this way, the high priestess is like a balancing force for the Enneagram too. With her magnetic and attractive energy, you know, she soothes their fear of being unwanted or rejected um, because the high priestess knows she has a deep inner knowing that she is already pure love. She is already validated inside herself. And she, she holds herself with a sense of pride because she sits on her throne. She knows she's worthy and deserving. So she's not desperate. She's not chasing. She's more, you can come to me. Like, look <laughs> at me. I am pure love. And she's Even all about- the imagery- Sorry, mm -hmm. and I was going to say, the funny thing is when you think of the imagery of the like Rider Waite deck and the High Priestess card, that almost is like that blue is almost how like Mother Teresa is always depicted in pictures that I've seen as well. Like that. Oh my gosh. Like literally when you said that card again, because I don't know any of the cards related to the Enneagrams that we're talking about when you said that I was like oh my goodness of course like that card absolutely makes sense and you know as an archetype or a person that as you would give us an example of that person they again it absolutely makes sense and they almost look you know the appearance as well with like mother yeah. trader and the blue and the and the like kind of um 
that the religious wear isn't it almost like that the card right. has and that mother Therese would wear again like kind of go hand in hand so that that's yeah yeah really Carly you just blew my mind on that oh <laughs> I totally see it a hundred percent like the blue and white <laughs> robes that did not occur to me <laughs> because it almost is like no honestly it's almost like that kind of um and I wonder, and almost like that, that, that blue that was really used as like a religious blue with like the mother, right. you know, like Mother Mary and so on. Right. But yeah, that's really fascinating. I really, yeah, kind of can see that. Really fascinating. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And a few more things I would add about the high priestess is she's all about holding space. She represents like the womb space where something can go and have the the safe space to grow into something so she is capable of holding lots of energy and you know the enneagram too with this your deep emotions and their overwhelming feeling of love and wanting to be loved the high priestess can hold this high amount of energy with grace and with poise like she has space for that it's a very motherly card, isn't it? Like, because I'm, you know, saying like Mother Mary, like Mary and Joseph, kind of in that blue and so on, that was always associated with Mary. And then you've got the High Priestess card with that kind of blue and Mother Teresa. Like, even the type of person this enneagram is, I'm still not pronouncing it properly. It just seems oh, to you me are. like very motherly, you know, like very much a motherly kind of energy. 100%. Yeah. I mean, this is my mom. I, I feel like the high priestess <laughs> is like the spiritual mother where the, yeah, the empress yeah. is kind of like our earthly mother. Oh, but absolutely. She that. is like a very spiritual motherly figure. Love that. And like we said, how the Enneagram two is very big on relationships you know, the high mm. priestess is all about really the relationship to the divine. Um, mm. It's the what we're talking about with Mother Teresa and the Virgin Mary. I'm starting to think about nuns and, you know, yeah. they are kind of like, you would say, like married to Christ. They mm. are, their relationship is to their spirituality. So that that's kind of what the high priestess is teaching. You know, she rules over all things occult, you know, meditation, your intuition, which is a relationship in a way. It's the relationship between your body and your spirit or like the earthly realm and the spiritual realm. So she mm -hmm. kind of reminds the Enneagram too that a relationship to put first in your life is your, your relationship to your spirit or to your higher mm -hmm. self. And you know, within you, you are pure source energy, which is pure love. And the more you embody that truth, your energy field will become more and more attractive. And like, we know what the law of attraction, like attracts like. So she's kind of teaching you to embody your own divine nature, which is unconditional love. And like Enneagram One, if it goes a bit bandy, a little bit wrong, they can kind of maybe be worried that their power can take them off into greed and becoming an evil person and so on. But with an Enneagram Two, I imagine that they, if it goes a bit wrong, it goes a bit bandy and they kind of lose their path. And it's almost like they could give to a fault. They could do it to their detriment. They can 
um, ruin themselves trying to help others and being sacrificing for others. So it's kind of, you can see the positives of each in the Enneagram, but also what can happen to the detriment if you go too far into it, if you do it to a fault, if that makes sense, that trait. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Love Absolutely. It. So I like how tarot in this way is kind of like the healing remedy for that yeah. Enneagram type. It kind of is the secret to becoming balanced. Yes. Yes. And that absolutely that. Yeah. Like the counteractive, like, you, yeah, definitely the balance of the two. Absolutely. Okay. Let's move on to the Enneagram number three, which is the achiever. Mm-hmm. So the achiever's basic fear is to feel worthless and their basic desire is to feel valuable and worthwhile. They're motivated by wanting to be affirmed and validated to distinguish themselves from others, to have attention, to be admired and to impress others. Mm-hmm. So the type three is very driven and ambitious. They tend to excel and be really successful. And they're also very conscious of their image, the way that they look or show up to other people. But the achiever is a social butterfly. They're very well-spoken. They're emotionally intelligent and charismatic but they sometimes can be, you know, materialistic. Like they are concerned with the way that they look, the way that they show up. Um, They have a taste for sort of the finer things um, and they enjoy maintaining their image and their social status. And they can also be kind of busybodies or involved in a lot of different projects at once. And they tend to have a long list of accomplishments like here are all the degrees I have and all the countries I've traveled to there they are very impressive and they love to be seen and acknowledged for all of these wonderful things that they have done because it's true they're the achiever they've achieved a lot so some examples of famous type threes are Oprah and Beyonce I love these examples (laughs) Um, you know talk about well-dressed Um, Mm -hmm. super charismatic and such impressive accomplishments they've both done so much and they're like icons legends Mm. and the tarot card associated with the number three is the empress so the empress is the mother archetype of the tarot like we said the high priestess sort of shows up as the spiritual mother the empress is a bit more like the earthly mother Mm -hmm. she is pictured on the card as being pregnant and in this beautiful place on her throne surrounded by lush growth all these beautiful flowers and plants and the venus symbol so the empress is the card of birth and creation Um, This card, when we pull it in a reading, it refers to our creative endeavors or anything that we are mothering, which could be like a child or a loved one, but it could also be a creative project, an art form, you know, a business you're starting, anything like that. So 
Oh my goodness. The minute you said that card, firstly, that is my favorite tarot card that I absolutely love. Although this isn't my Instagram. Yeah, I I love the Empress card. If ever I get it, I've always, always, you know, it's always been my favorite. But the minute you gave that whole outline of the card, instantly thought of that photo shoot that Beyonce, Beyonce, because like my mum calls her for a joke, Beyonce did. Um, oh my gosh, you're me. right. <laughs> she did that photo shoot when she was pregnant and it was massive Venus vibes, Empress card vibes. Oh my gosh, Honestly, yeah. When she like, was pregnant, I, right? Yeah. Like, I wow. Literally just, and she was on a throne or something, I'm sure. I'm going to have to look it up. But the minute you said that card, I was like, yes, it was almost like she epitomized the Empress card for that photo shoot. I'm going to have to look it up and see. Oh but my I gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're amazing with the visual representation. Yes. No, they're just so connected. Like you keep they're just so connected. I'm like, yes, that is but I'm telling you now, I'm gonna have to get like a picture up and put it on um, you know, like Instagram or something when we put this when we put our episode up because I'm telling it was huge Venus vibes. And straight away, as soon as you said that card, I was like, Yes, I remember that. But sorry, Erin, as you were. Oh my gosh. No, it's so on point. I almost wonder if she did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at a picture of it now. So she's got a veil on. Obviously, she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and it's a yellow too, isn't it? Flowers. It's a yellow veil. There are tons of flowers behind her. And, um, you know, like, and it's out in, you know, just with like the sky behind her. But Honestly, when you said the card, I was like, and Beyonce, I was like, oh my goodness, it reminds me of the pregnancy photos that she did. I mean, I'm not yeah. one for like, okay, magazine and reading magazines at all, but that was one that was everywhere at the time. So it just straight away came up. Same. I mean, even the Empress's dress is yellow. Like it's just so spot on. <gasps> it is oh my goodness yeah I think she knew what she was doing there <laughs> I think she must have known okay Beyonce yeah. may be a witch I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> <laughs> honestly so yes just like that the empress card has to do with beauty luxury like sitting on your throne being in at the center of your own universe where you have all this abundance, all these earthly and sensual pleasures that are your achievements that you have created for yourself. So the Empress is about impressive creative achievements, just like the Enneagram three. And there is a way she is like the healing medicine to the Enneagram three, because the Empress brings a level of depth to this archetype with her reasons why she accomplishes these things, why she creates these things. The Empress is driven by her heart. And so she does not bring beauty or accomplishments into the world for like shallow purposes or, you know, just to impress people or to kind of run away from a feeling of being uh, undeserving but she creates these things just out of love because she truly loves to do it. And she brings these creations into the world as if it really was her baby. 
So, and she knows that beauty and luxury and all these things, they're an expression of divine source energy and abundance. So she does not create out of lack or, you know, to prove anyone wrong, she creates just to see the divine beauty in the world around her and to celebrate that and to enjoy that. She creates simply because she loves it and she just exists in pure abundance and constant state of creation. Love that. Yeah, no, I've always resounded with that card, but when you give that as an explanation for, you know, the Enneagram and the card itself, I think that is a kind of aspiration of mine for, mentality around creating and so on and what I aspire to so I love that and yeah it'll still be my favorite tarot card yep it's my phone background right now <laughs> oh I love this I'm right there with yeah, you yeah. <laughs> right there with you okay so the Enneagram type four is called the individualist Their basic fear is that they have no real identity or personal significance. Their basic desire is to find themselves and what their significance is to create a unique identity. And they're motivated by wanting to express themselves, their uniqueness, their individuality, to maintain certain moods and feelings because they do tend to be very emotional. The type fours are deeply feeling and from that they are artistic and expressive and even sometimes dramatic. The type fours are constantly working on their authentic self-expression. They spend most of their time exploring their inner world and therefore they have a very strong sense of self they know exactly who they are or at least they strive to and they strive to most accurately present this authentic image of who they are to the world through their art or through the way they dress however it is they're they remind me of like the hipster type of the enneagram like they have to show up different kind of have their own spark of unique individuality in everything they wear or the type of music they listen to, that type of thing. And they strive to be really consistent in this presentation of their individuality. And this being an individual is dead serious to them. Like that is the goal. It means so much. And they analyze everything they do to make sure it's in alignment with their unique identity. So some famous type fours are Stevie Nicks and Sylvia Plath, who are honestly two of my favorite, favorite artists. So yes, (laughs) yes. so Stevie Nicks, you know, founded her career really on having a very specific image. You know, the way Mm. she presents herself, it's witchy, it's mystical, kind of bohemian, And if you look at her today, you know, she's, I think in her late seventies, she still has the long blonde hair, the bell bottoms, the platform boots, which I love, love, love. But, you know, this woman knows exactly who she is and exactly what works for her, how she presents herself. And she's stuck with it. Even her music, 
stayed very consistent over the decades. I mean, the 80s were quite 80s, that's a thing, but you know, she really knew what her artistic statement was and she kept it. And I think that's why she has such a cult following. And, you know, Sylvia Plath is an example of an Enneagram four. She was very deeply emotional, almost emotionally tortured. She had mental illness, but she channeled her emotional turmoil into her art. And she also had a very unique style. Her voice her writing style like confessional poetry she became famous for that and everyone knows that as being her style and she remained consistent oh my god i've got so much to say on this firstly if any of you seen a picture of erin erin gives massive stevie nicks vibes like absolutely (laughs) witchy stuff like you absolutely you've always given me stevie nicks vibes but the thing is stevie nicks compliment i've ever received Honestly, no, seriously, if you look at, like, when you look at Erin's, um, and actually there's a photo of Erin on our our old tarot episode, but she does give, like, real Stevie Nicks vibes. Stevie Nicks was, like, cool. You know, she's stood the test of time with her, with her look. To the point, we're actually doing this interview, and I've got my witchy Stevie Nicks, like, dressing gown on as well. So I feel like, mm-hmm. it's not a dressing gown, it's like my robe. It's like I wear it to feel like... um a rich you know wife who's killed my husband vibes I'm I actually wearing that, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to say when you said about Stevie Nicks and Sylvia Plath both amazing there's two people in, and I don't know if I'm wrong on this and you can tell me if you think I'm right okay so tortured souls but also very much like and and you might call me wrong on this Amy Winehouse has come up for me as another mm. but I also wondered like in a kind of like it's gone a bit bandy, a bit wrong. Kanye West. Mm. Because he's very like always like striving to do the individualism and it's got to be really like, this is my muse. And, but I feel like he could be someone that like, you know, the quest has gone too serious and it's gone a bit wrong at times. Oh my you know? gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think you're right. Like, yeah, I'm thinking of his like fashion line and the clothes that he makes. Oh God. Yeah. They're so yeah. weird. But I <laughs> the point is yeah, to like, be different. You know, like he's such a genius in some respects, but in some Great ways he goes so yeah, like in some ways, like original Kanye, like what am I meant to be calling him now? Yay, what I don't know. But anyway, in right. some respects, he was like so genius, but then there's like the side where it goes so wrong. And I think that could be like the cautionary side of the Enneagram of you know of this Enneagram. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. I'm also thinking of both how you mentioned Amy Winehouse. I mean, her her look is so iconic, you know, the really thick winged liner and the really teased Mm. hair, her voice so unique. Um, Yeah, but tragically died young, just like Sylvia Plath. Yeah, yeah, very emotionally tortured. she's my absolute fave like I you know I'm looking at a framed massive picture of her in my room as we speak like but she was the same like she was so poetic so thoughtful really mm-hmm. ahead of her time in regards to creative genius you know she had poetical if you listen to the lyrics and her songs you're like you're in your early 20s how have you thought this deeply you know it's amazing to me. <laughs> yes 
like Sylvia Plath, like absolutely the same, like the level of depth and emo, you know, it's just unbelievable. But yeah, absolutely you can relate to that. And and you can start to see, you know, I'm sure this episode will get a lot of people thinking, oh, I know someone like that. Or mm-hmm. and it helps you understand people a bit more, I think. It does quite to know. Mm, yeah, definitely. It does. Definitely. Okay, so the tarot card associated with the number four is the emperor. So the mm-hmm. emperor is like the father archetype of the tarot. So the emperor is fully in his power and in his authority. He represents rules and structures that we can apply to our lives and apply to the world around us that help us to understand the way the world works and to be able to function better within that world. So you may think he seems kind of uptight and all about laws and regulations. He's kind of the opposite of that like artsy hipster number four, but that's kind of part of the point. He can be a bit of a balancing force for the fours who tend to get lost in their emotions, working with the energy of the emperor can help them use logic or self-discipline to kind of pull themselves out of the spiral of moodiness or self-consciousness. Um, to think a little more logical and black and white, this can help balance them out. This is crazy because I don't know if I'm the worst tarot reader in the whole wide world. I always associate the Emperor card with Scorpio because they are such a, and I don't know if that's correct, that's just me that I've decided that for my readings, because the level of depth that Scorpios go into and like how deep and dark they can go is like, Mm. that's kind of what I associate, but I've always seen the Emperor card as a Scorpio like energy and being like about the subconscious and so deep and can go too like really deep and dark with it in some respects I love that yeah the emperor is like traditionally associated with Aries which is fire but I feel like Scorpio is like that water sign that kind of masquerades like a fire sign and yes, I can totally do, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I always get similarities, but then when it comes to the emotional side, yeah, oh, that's and that, but that's not anything I've ever seen anywhere. It's just from my personal readings that I've done, I've right. always got a real Scorpio energy with the Emperor. Um, but I do, I resonate with what you said that sometimes Aries and Scorpio can have that same level of intensity in Intense, first meeting yeah. them. Yeah, but then it's like, you know, Aries and, it, but then like when it gets further down the line, that's when it kind of changes with the level of depth that the, the Scorpio can go. So yeah, I right. like that. Mm. And there's more than meets the eye to a Scorpio. Oh, yeah. It's always deeper than it appears at first glance. And you are yeah. definitely onto something because the emperor is like that. Because I think people pull mm. this card and think like, oh, here's like, um, you know, uptight, all about rules and regulations, that sort of thing. But mm. I think that we interpret the emperor that way because 
you know, the emperor in his positive aspect is supposed to represent positive masculinity, divine masculinity. Mm -hmm. And we just don't, unfortunately, we don't have a ton of examples of that in our culture today. So we can Mm -hmm. kind of miss him, miss who he really is. But the emperor, you know, is a great leader because to tie into the Enneagram four, you know, he has spent a lot of time in his inner world. He's done his inner work, his shadow work. Carly, I know you mm-hmm. love your shadow work. Um, so <laughs> you are then aware of your own faults, your own shortcomings. And that enables you to be a good leader because you then treat other people with more understanding and more compassion. And mm-hmm. you're not led by your hidden impulses or hidden desires, ulterior motives that are driving you without you knowing it. So the emperor, you know, his positive masculinity and his depth and his emotionality, that is what makes him a good leader. He sh- you know, he should feel gentle and warm, you know, positive father figure. So I love this card because yeah, we, we don't see that a lot. Maybe that's just my opinion but this Mm -hmm. is a a deep and authentic leader. So the Enneagram type associated with the number five is called the investigator or the thinker. So their basic fear is being helpless or incapable or caught in a situation where they appear uneducated. Their basic desire is to be capable, competent, and intelligent. And they are motivated by wanting to possess great knowledge to understand their environment and to use their knowledge as a way to combat fear or threats from their environment. So, the type five strives to be self sufficient and values the ability to think for themselves. So, they're like the bookworms of the Enneagram. They love to read, research, gain as much knowledge as possible. Mm -hmm. However, they usually save their energy for researching and learning about the topics that they already know they like. So they may sometimes appear a little closed off to the world. They may not be open to everything, but they're deep into their unique passions and have like a deep intelligence in probably a few set areas. They're usually introverts. Again, they like to conserve their energy. They have this fear that the world around them is almost out to get them or out to drain their energy that people drain their energy. So they like to conserve it for their own hobbies or just conserve their energy for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, They can sometimes seem distant or like they're disassociating. Um, It reminds me of like the nutty professor type or like the absent-minded professor if you've ever seen the movie flubber like I think he misses yeah, his own yeah. wedding because he's on the verge of like a scientific <laughs> breakthrough yeah that's very much the number five I'm thinking like your friend you like beg them to come to the party and you finally drag them out and they just like sit in the corner and like read articles on their phone about aliens or something like that they're they're on their own wavelength they're a bit yeah. of an oddball but they're like crazy smart 
So some famous investigators are Albert Einstein and Mark Zuckerberg. So again, mm -hmm. like incredibly intelligent, bright minds, but pay like little attention to social niceties. You know, Albert Einstein, I, you know, maybe he didn't brush his hair a day in his life, but he <laughs> changed the whole world. Yeah. So the tarot card associated with the number five is the high priest or sometimes called the hierophant. Yeah. So this card is um, a spiritual leader or a mentor. He represents like the man or the system. So like the government, church, school, that kind of thing. So where the emperor is kind of like our internal leader or our leader at home, the high priest is like an external form of authority. So again, this kind of seems like the opposite of the personality of the number five, who is solitary, um, independent, free thinking. But again, that's sort of a point is kind of a balancing act. And to go into a bit of a rabbit hole, I like to explain this using um, one of the hermetic principles. If you've ever read the seven hermetic principles, they're really, really fascinating. There's yeah. one called um, the principle of polarity, which teaches, and I'll just quote it, everything is dual. Everything has poles. Everything has its pair of opposites. Like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. Extremes meet. All truths, but are half-truths, all paradoxes can be reconciled. So the free thinker and the authority figure are like two extremes of the spectrum of the number five. They need each other in order to exist because they exist relative to one another. So like, you know, the rebel needs something to rebel against. The yeah. authority figure needs someone to have authority over. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how fives are the ones who spend hours in the lab or in their classroom, like coming up with these revolutionary ideas, and they change the way the world has always been in the past. They will change the world forever. So they come along and shake things up. And that is what the high priest needs. So the high priest can represent you know, tradition, dogma, kind of the way things have always been done forever. But humans, we evolve, we transform, like we can't have the same dogma that we used to have and have it still serve us. So in this way, the number five complements the high priest perfectly because the Enneagram five are always willing to grow mentally and won't become stuck in tradition because of all their research, they know that there's a better way to do things. I'm already thinking about other people that I think of that Enneagram <laughs> as well. And I really struggle with the Hierophant card. It's actually one that, you know, we were saying about having like your favorites, like the Hierophant card is one I really struggle with because of like the authority side of it and elements like that. Um, when I think of the Enneagram of like, so this Enneagram, I think of like another would be like Steve Jobs, I guess. And absolutely. 
like the Tesla guy. Oh my goodness, I've forgotten his name. He oh, Elon cool. Musk. Yes. Yeah, like absolutely. I kind of think of him as well. Um, totally. But yeah, I, yeah, just wow. It, oh, it just opens up your mind to all these people you know and like famous people. And yeah. Like, everybody in pigeon pigeonholes, you know? <laughs> it's like, yes. Oh my goodness, I'm going to be doing every time I meet someone, I'm going to have to do this with my friends as well. Like, what Enneagram are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or when you're watching movies or anything like that. Yeah. Yep. Wow, You'll be doing it. Up so much. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, but I, I get what you're saying totally about not really liking the high priest card. I think it's probably mm. like, collectively everyone's least favorite card um and I kind of the way I read it is like I mean every single tarot card is a spectrum this whole principle polarity it doesn't just relate to the high priest but I really emphasize it with the high priest because Mm -hmm. when it comes up in a reading I usually ask something like okay are you rebelling for the sake of rebelling like for no reason are you trying to like reinvent the wheel where you don't need to and you're exhausting yourself for no reason or are you more afraid of change stuck in the past can't really evolve like it kind of depends who the person is that's getting a reading and which Mm -hmm. end of the spectrum they kind of lean more toward um and what question you're asking but when I pull this card you know it it to me, it says the answer can be anywhere on that spectrum. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely that. It is the, are you fighting this for a reason or just because you are being awkward? Yes. <laughs> That's always how I feel with that kind of, you know, that card, like in that, yeah, that, yeah, that kind of person. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying that all of, everybody of that Enneagram is like that, but that, that, the explanation of that sort of person that you gave that that's what comes to mind and people that I've come across that have got that similar energy yeah <laughs> totally so like we said the Enneagram fives they're a bit of an oddball so they tend to attract other people who are also like really eccentric and kind of don't blend in with society yeah. and there we have the kind of spiritual groups or communities that we associate with the high priest card. So I think about like hippie communes or these like niche communities that come together over their beliefs or they want to live in a different way that they find like more progressive than the rest of society. I'm also thinking like a nudist colony, but you know, oh they God, yes. they still want community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like cult energy, because you, you know what you're cult saying. Energy. That, cult energy, like you're making me think of um the famous guy who there was Lana Del Rey did the song on her Ultraviolence album about it, and I can't remember which guy I'm referring to, but it is giving the leader of a cult energy. Too. Yeah, one hundred percent. Oh, no, I'm glad you said that. I'll figure out who I'm referring to because I know Lana Del Rey sang a song about him on Ultraviolence and um, that's who's that coming to mind. It's a famous cult leader and that's absolutely the personality type that he has. <laughs> don't oh don't come gosh. up if that's your Enneagram. Like, we're sorry. We're just giving bad examples of people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh god. A bit of good, a bit of bad, you know. Yeah. We, we can be anywhere on the spectrum. Um, exactly. Anywhere on the spectrum, you know. They're, anywhere they're on the spectrum. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna shush now. Love it. Sorry, number fives. <laughs> Oh dear. Hey, you're the Albert Einstein's of the Enneagram. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> you know, that's, 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 I mean, Albert Einstein was wonderful. Like he was an absolute eccentric, you know, genius, but he had yes. a really good sense of humor at the same time. Like he was, you know, I really, yeah, he's the great. He was silly and goofy. Yeah. Exactly. He was very lovable. And also the character from like Flubber, you know, and, and Nutty yes. Professor. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Professor, like that, that they have that very lovable side too. We're saying you, when it goes wrong, you could become the leader of a cult. We're just getting it <laughs> out there. That's all we're saying, you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it gets complex. Like we're going over the general archetype of each Enneagram, but each Enneagram, like it can be broken down into subsections. And then there are other types that you lean on like when you're in growth or when you're in stress. And so it's, there's a lot more to dig into. So if, if you're enjoying this episode, I encourage you to go. Um, the Enneagram Institute is a really great website to read about like all the subsections, like you can get really, really niche with it. Mm -hmm. And there yeah. are different levels, like every type can be expressed in a healthy way and a less healthy way. Um, I mean, we're human. That's just how it works. Yes. Yeah. So the Enneagram for the number six is called the skeptic. Their basic fear is to be without emotional support or guidance. Their basic desire is to have safety and security, and they're motivated by wanting to feel secure, wanting to feel supported by others, to be reassured, and to know that others feel positively about them. So the type sixes do tend to battle with anxiety and insecurity. And therefore, the type sixes are always in search of emotional security and reassurance. So relationships are very important to them and because they value the security that close relationships provide. 
and they can often build their identity based on who they are within a group or relationship dynamic. So they tend to be extremely loyal. Like they will stick around at that job. They will put years in um, because they associate themselves and their identity with the security that these things bring. So loyal, trustworthy, honest. When expressed less healthy, the sixes can get in the habit of kind of living in fear and making their life decisions based on a scarcity mindset or just a fear mindset. And they worry a lot. And, you know, the phrase worrying is like praying for something bad to happen. So sometimes they can create self-fulfilling prophecies through all this worrying. So, however, they are really good at planning for the future. They Mm -hmm. probably have a great savings account, that type Mm -hmm. of thing. They, They think of every possible outcome that could happen. So it's honestly really a great person to have around because they bring that sense of security um it makes me think of I think they're called like doomsday preppers um (laughs) sorry to bring up crazy examples again but they stockpile like the canned food and the bottles of water like just in case the zombie apocalypse happens but like look someday if the zombie apocalypse does happen like you're gonna want to grab onto your enneagram six because they got you they're very prepared for the future really my ex-boyfriend's like I'm just like yeah oh my goodness like honestly I can't tell you how I'm like I know a type six yes wow okay I'm yeah I'm thinking of others now but yeah this is absolutely them like we'll hang on to things and you know like just always planning ahead and to a fault like I'm not a great planner like I'm not a very organized person I'm very much in the moment and you can see why this didn't work so yeah that that's <laughs> yeah I, I found a I've found a type six now <laughs> yes honestly it's a skill like I don't really have it either I'm I'm a bit more in the moment type of person and so I do really admire a lot of that skill of really thinking saving planning for the future Mm -hmm. yes definitely I think all of these enneagrams every single one has got very great qualities absolutely I know we're joking and laughing so I'm not you know we are literally just saying the worst extreme when it goes wrong but every single one has got very admirable qualities and you know if we were fortunate we'd be balanced out with all of them so they all are positive and and in their own right yeah ones when it goes wrong you know and I'm not looking forward to when you get to mine (laughs) (laughs) Well, I well, know next, like, so. I kind of <laughs> it might come up but yeah this is interesting <laughs> it is it is and I feel like we need each type like we live in an ecosystem where each person is really really needed absolutely. for these different skills they bring something different to the table absolutely definitely so I'll say some famous type sixes are Joe Biden, the current US president, and Marilyn Monroe. So, oh, like yeah. in the case of Marilyn Monroe, 
she, you know, made an art form out of her beauty and her sensuality in the most amazing way. And so if we think about the core motivators for the type six, you know, they want to know that others feel positively about them and they want to soothe their insecurity. And it's hard to imagine someone who looks like Marilyn Monroe being insecure, but it could be that the fame and the attention that she received, it really soothed her core fear of feeling insecure and wanting to know that people love her. Okay. And in the the second example for Joe Biden, um, you know, he came about after the Trump era, right? Where things were chaotic and kind of crazy. So the Enneagram six in a leadership role could be seen as the safe bet. You know, they're very reliable, Mm -hmm. very loyal, won't act out of pocket or won't do anything crazy. And I think that that was a bit soothing to the American people post-Trump. Yeah. So the tarot card that is the number six is the lovers. So the lovers card represents love and relationships, peace and harmony itself. So this is goals, like true dream paradise for the Enneagram six. Like this is where they want to be. And the lover's card is ruled by the sign of Gemini. And therefore it has to do with dualities. So if you look at the card, we see a man and a woman illustrating the duality between the divine feminine and masculine. But of course, this is just one example of a duality. But this card teaches that we seek to become whole through the union of opposites. So mm-hmm. our light and dark or happy and sad, alone and together. So in the case of the Enneagram six, you know, they feel insecure. So they seek out, you know, a job that's very secure or a relationship that's very secure. They seek out that wholeness externally, like outside of themselves. And often that is how we read the lover's card as being about a relationship to something outside of yourself. I mean, it is called the lovers. There's two naked people on the card. So it seems like it should be about a romantic relationship. But honestly, when it comes up in a reading, it's usually far less sexy and exciting. It's more about working (laughs) on your relationship to yourself. And it's saying there's work to be done there. So it's about us learning how to be whole and balanced within ourselves instead of Mm -hmm. seeking validation or security from a partner. How can we channel that energy within ourselves? How can we validate ourselves How can we be balanced and come into harmony with ourselves? So like we talked about the principle of polarity, you know, our fear, it has an equal and opposite polarity within ourself, which is bravery. Like bravery wouldn't exist without fear. Those are hand in hand. So if you have one, you have the other. And it's just about digging and embodying and bringing that into balance for yourself. 
So the Enneagram for number seven is called the enthusiast. Mm -hmm. So their basic fear is feeling deprived, like they're missing out on something or having to sit in their emotional pain. Their basic desire is to feel satisfied and content and have their needs fulfilled. They're motivated by wanting to have freedom and happiness to avoid missing out and to feel excited and occupied and avoid unpleasant thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. So type seven is therefore spontaneous, um, versatile, but maybe also scattered or spread Mm -hmm. sort of thin. The sevens crave variety, novelty to have new experiences, new adventures. The sevens are full of life and very high energy. Mm-hmm. They're very much like the inner child. They take a very enthusiastic and beautiful joy out of everything they do. I mean, that's why they're called the enthusiast. There's, there's so much enthusiasm there. They're playful, mm-hmm. they're curious and take interest in just about everything. So they live in the spice of life. Um, there's never a dull moment. They're very open-minded, they're non-judgmental. They're really good vibes, like want to have fun and be happy. Their worst fear is to be bored, (laughs) to have their friends cancel on them and have to spend the day at home alone with their thoughts. That is nightmare scenario. They tend to kind of chase thrills and fun as a way of avoiding facing their fear of emptiness or boredom. They know that when they slow down, they will begin to hear their inner voice, those painful thoughts or memories So they really just never want to have to slow down to um, think about those things. They would rather stay active. Mm -hmm. So they can suffer from burnout, lack of focus, um, or have an addictive personality because they're always chasing that next high. So some famous enthusiasts are Elton John and Britney Spears. So we know Mm -hmm. Elton John had an intense drug addiction um, and he also has toured a crazy amount. Um, Mm -hmm. I know he's on his like retirement tour quote quote it's been going on for years I think like four years Um, like he just he was going and going and a seven wouldn't wouldn't want to retire you know so it makes sense. Um, this but, is know, me, what, I'm a seven. <laughs> yes, this is you. No, I mean, like, you know, I, I feel like a, there's some bits about the enthusiasts I've read and I'm like, oh, I feel called out. But, <laughs> and it's so funny because there's so many bits. I mean, there are definitely like downsides to enthusiasts that I've read. And one of the things that I saw in, when you said about Elton John was that they do likely have issues with seeking highs with alcohol and, and you know drugs and things like that and you know they're mm-hmm. always looking for like sometimes to their detriment 
like fun and and so on but the thing you said that really got me was about when people cancel on you because Mm -hmm. I'm fine with it now like as a grown-up you know I'm like oh that's fine I'll just get to stay in and read a book or I'll go off and do this but oh my goodness the worst teenage memories I have are is somebody letting you down and that is exactly me like Mm. I would be crying in my bedroom like oh my you know I've got to sit with myself all day and I'm not going out and that was like the end of the world as a teenager for me so I completely relate to all of this yes Mm -hmm. yeah here for the good times like like you you know you embody the seven in a way that you are such a bright spirit like in preparing for this podcast I was like god this is so wordy this is so complex and I'm on here with you and you're just making me laugh and you bring so much fun to the moment (laughs) yes no honestly like I mean this is all fascinating this is fascinating stuff honestly like I'm loving all that you're giving us but it just resounds so much I'm I'm sure before people even do the test as well or even look into what theirs is they're going to hear this and be like that's me that's me that's so and so that's my mom like there's so much that you're giving already without needing to maybe do the test that people will already kind of guess what they are so yeah right I think that the test is optional um yeah I think that you you will know who you are as long as you're not choosing the type that you aspire to be but more like you know where you are right now it it requires some honesty if you want to go that route but I don't think you need to take the test. Um, the test did work for me, but other people mm-hmm. say they thought it was less accurate than just choosing it themselves. So honestly, you can go either route. I think as well, there's certain words that are key when it comes to the Enneagrams like kind of makeup, because you said freedom in this, like the biggest thing oh my goodness, that is my biggest thing that I've always chased, like having personal freedom. Yeah, honestly, it is my word. It is my thing that I'm always like, which has its detriment as well. You know, I know that too, but that's always been my biggest goal is to have freedom in different areas in certain ways that I see it as a freedom. But there can be a detriment also with that. Um, But it's really interesting because some people might listen to the Enneagrams and think, that is a real key word for me and how I want to live my life as the kind of positive side of the Enneagram, I think. Yes, I can see Mm. that, you know, in your life, mostly how, you know, you do what you love for a living, right? That provides a lot of freedom. Well, you and I spoke about this because you are the same. You're very, we've, you know, in some respects, we we're quite similar as well because you're very the same. Like you, when you you're when you mm-hmm. want to do something, you're like a dog with a bone. Like you're so like put the blinkers on. I'm doing this, you know. Yes. And um, you, that is how I always see you. Like you're very focused. You get, you know, you're very good at your craft. Um, but I think for me, like the, um the freedom aspect and you know maybe that's why I don't like the hierophant like not liking authority being told totally you know yeah wanting to do your own thing um but the feeling of freedom as well but I really think that this can once you know what your enneagram is and, and you like the positive sides of it you can kind of work towards the positive elements of it also Mm mm-hmm 
Mm, yeah, one hundred percent eye-opening. But before we move on, I want to, because of this talk about freedom, it's bringing mm. me back to the other example, which is Britney Spears. Um, oh, so yeah. freedom has been a theme in her life, you know, mostly not mm. having it because of her long conservatorship and such. But so these are themes, so they can show up in your life it doesn't necessarily mean that you're great at freedom or you already have it. It's more just, it's a really big deal to you. Yeah. Um, it's going to show up in one way or another through whatever life circumstances, this is kind of a, a lesson that you're bound to learn in your life. You know what I mean? There's two examples with both. You're so right with Brittany, but if anyone's ever seen the Elton John film, which is brilliant, you'll see there was that time when, you know, he went through having a lot of freedom taken away from him with like management and things like that. You're right. Mm -hmm. That was a huge thing for him. Like he had a very controlling partner who managed him and it was like really his worst times that he kind of goes into. But you can see it as a theme, like on the, you know, when that key thing about like that Enneagram is taken away from you or when it goes like when it's it's detrimental or whatever you can kind of see what to expect or how it can go when it goes a little bit bandy I don't know I just think it's too too many good examples of the Enneagram and and what happens when it can go wrong absolutely Mm -hmm. Mm. and maybe that's why they value freedom so much is because they didn't always have it sort of thing that's so, so their challenges oh, yeah. taught them what they really value and what they really need to be happy. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay, so the tarot card for the number seven is the chariot. So the chariot represents, yes, freedom, actually, forward mm-hmm. movement, having a competitive advantage, reaching success and victory. So if you draw this card in a reading, it's basically a big hell yes. Like I don't normally read the cards as yes or no, but this is one card that is just very distinctly positive. Mm -hmm. It's showing you're taking control of the situation and you're moving forward. You are controlling your destiny through the power of your, your willpower And, you know, we see the person driving the chariot led by the phoenixes. It's a moment of breaking away on your own. It's kind of like the moment you get your your first car and you can go (laughs) drive off and do your own thing. So it's about breaking away on your own path, reaching success on your own terms, having that freedom. So... With all this forward movement, the chariot draws on the energy of the Enneagram 7, because in order to move forward with that determination and strength, it needs that level of enthusiasm and that hunger for movement and new experiences. And that hunger is what drives the chariot forward toward new experiences. It's like Mm -hmm. a vehicle that fuels itself because these new experiences give it fuel to go forth and conquer even more new experiences. Yeah. It's like a self-fulfilling mission. So uh, another note, um, the chariot and the number seven 
in numerology is all about having a spiritual mission that you place above all else. So in this way, the chariot teaches the Enneagram seven to choose a spiritual mission that is above all else and focus on it because the sevens can be very scattered, uh, suffer from a lack of focus. And so having a spiritual mission that they place above everything else causes them to evolve, to oh, transform. <laughs> no, I love this because I feel like the only time that I've ever almost got my shit together was when I started doing, uh, when I started doing a hobby that I loved and making it a work thing. And that yes. everybody says, when you started doing that, you stopped being an absolute dick. Like not, I still <laughs> a dick, but I was less of a dick because I actually had a focus. And yes. I really believe that. I feel like because we're so all over the place, the Enneagram of seven, once you get something that you can focus on and you are enthusiastic, you've got a focus, you've got somewhere to channel all of that enthusiasm rather than it scattering about and right. 3,000 things. But genuinely, like everybody's always been like, ever since you started doing that, you're much less of a dick, you know? Yeah. Yes. You are <laughs> such a seven, aren't you? There's just no doubt. <laughs> Oh, that's so spot on though. Honestly, like all of this is um, fascinating. Yes. Yeah. So again, like the tarot card is like the healing for the Enneagram. So being able to focus on that one thing, that one hobby or whatever, that it brought you purpose and meaning. And that mm -hmm. is how to rise above um, kind of the extraneous BS things that can kind of clutter up life like relationships that don't really serve or yet yeah, chasing those highs with drugs or alcohol mm -hmm. um when you learn to focus that like incredible hunger and that incredible amount of energy that you have onto something that matters like that is where the success and the victory of the chariot really comes into play okay so the enneagram number eight is called the challenger Mm -hmm. And this is my Enneagram type. So maybe you'll feel some secondhand embarrassment from me. <laughs> um, their basic fear is to be betrayed. Mm -hmm. And I cannot tell you how true that is. It's crazy. The, the basic fear is to be harmed or to be betrayed or to be mm -hmm. controlled by others. Yeah. So their basic desire is to protect themselves and to be in control of their own life and destiny at all times. Yeah. And they are motivated by the want to be self-reliant, to prove their strength, to resist weakness, to feel important, to dominate their environment, and to just stay in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. So the type eights are very confident, they're decisive, they're willful, and can be confrontational. The eight never wants to feel like they're not in control, so they tend to overcompensate by just dominating every situation they're in. Um, mm -hmm. They're not afraid of confrontation, and they're quick to share their opinions 
even though they rarely ever are persuaded by the opinions of others, they still want to share their own opinion, but yeah. they are trailblazers. Like they will mm-hmm. go first, like they're headstrong, independent, and they're direct into the point um, mm-hmm. in order to get what they want. I feel like that's a big phrase, like getting what you want. Um, they often grow up in a challenging environment that made them feel like they have to develop a strong personality in order to look out for themselves and get what they needed because maybe like no one else can give it to you sort of thing but they are but yeah I'm sure you're an Aries aren't you I'm an Aries moon yeah you're an Aries moon because it does give me massive like Aries vibes especially massive. with the headstrong like the ram and so on and yes. the thing I, I've only ever seen this in a good way with Erin like I already said before when Erin in my personal experience you know from knowing Erin from afar and us like kind of working with each other on things you always like when you're good I've always known like when you're going to do something you you just do it you know you're kind of like say I'm going to do mm-hmm. this and then next you're doing it and you're like regularly consistently doing it and you're consistent and determined um but I've only ever seen this of you in a good way like you're very much like in charge of your destiny blinkers on head down doing it you know totally (laughs) totally and I'll kind of put myself on last um you know like we are like that we are so determined and such because kind of because we're afraid we're really afraid of not getting what we want or having somebody else step in or I don't know destiny or fate oh no 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 that does not sit well so we basically do everything in our power to make sure things go our way and there's kind of this chip on our shoulder like no one's going to do it for me so I better get to work um but some of the entrepreneurs they've got that about them though yes they tend to be entrepreneurs absolutely like and absolutely and actually um millionaires like there's this this absolutely kind of resonates with that energy um you know a lot of people that um have like tried multiple times at a form of why am I thinking of the guy that created KFC like he he hit his head against a wall a million times trying to create KFC and then it became like the biggest brand one of the biggest brands ever but he was so determined so consistent like he knew like it's very much like this is absolutely giving like millionaire and entrepreneurial vibes this Enneagram to me anyway wow I didn't even know that story I love that it is actually one of the stories that because I, I always kind of think of it when um like for years and years like he he was just bashing his head against the, um a wall like try, I, I don't know like I just know of he, of this whole background to it and then obviously went on to become the biggest brand you know it's like that determination that sheer willpower and that mm-hmm. self-sufficiency of not relying on anyone else and just keep going till they get it absolutely mm-hmm they get what they want yeah (laughs) and actually nothing of um funny enough I've got a friend like this um she had a very troublesome family background no support and again she's the same and I always say the same to her she's like a dog with a bone when she's gonna do something it doesn't matter her you know education her background 
if she says she's going to do it, she will do it. And that's it. And yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. the same. But, mm. Yes. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of what we said about the seven. Like it was the challenges growing up or early in life that made you value what you value. Yes. Yes. So these are mostly good things, but yeah, the Enneagram eight can sometimes be too intense, um, overly competitive or egotistical, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, The growth area for the eights are to learn to be okay with being vulnerable, Uh to show your soft side, to show your weakness and to let other people in and to let other people be in charge for a while. Mm -hmm. And I can attest that that is true. Yeah, being vulnerable is a huge growth area and is very rewarding. So let's see, some examples of famous Enneagram eights are Martin Luther King Jr. and the singer Pink. Yes. So um, with... MLK, you know, this is someone who faced incredible adversity, prejudice, racism, and really gave all he had to fight against injustice, um, showed intense bravery and determination. And it, it brings up how the type eight, the challenger often fights for uh, the underdog or those who are injured or who are suffering injustices like that really gets under the challenger's skin. And, and that is definitely a cause that they really care about. And Can then I with the- you, Oh, sorry, Erin, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Can I give you two random people that come to mind with this Enneagram? Please. Um, Eminem. <laughs> oh yeah, rough around the edges. <laughs> but also, um, I don't know, I wanna say like Hecate, cause it's, this is so out of oh. pocket. But she gives me, if there was a goddess for this Enneagram, oh my goodness, if we were to look at goddesses for each of these Enneagram as well, that That's would be a great fun. idea. We need to come back to that. But mm-hmm. I absolutely get Hecate Hecate, Hecate, Hecate vibes um, because of the like, you know, um, the kind of um, like the fuck you attitude, but also... Yes you know, like kind of siding with people who have been wronged with the misfits, um, that side of it as well. Like if there was a goddess for this Enneagram, I really feel it would be Hecate. I I agree with you, honestly, because she is about, she's the bringer of justice. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Honestly, no, I, I really feel like like that's where we could you could go with this next. We could go with this. Like what goddess aligns with each Enneagram. But yeah, I Honestly. really feel with goddess I align with like this Enneagram. Yes. I, <laughs> I love your examples. Like, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I loved Eminem too. Um, yes yeah eight mile kind of vibes with the background and like not giving up and lack of support parentally and just and actually let's be honest this is a guy who entered the rap industry and you know the only white guy that actually like you know come on Mm -hmm. he's like following vanilla ice like come on yeah and he smashed it you know um yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Always always the underdog in some sort of way, but that, that chip on the shoulder really gives them that drive, that like unstoppable drive. And Mm -hmm. it kind of makes their success like really delicious and sweet Mm -hmm. (laughs) when they finally get there. And I think they have a, a lot to speak to on determination, on sticking with it. Um, yeah, like you said, banging your head against the wall until it finally works. I mean, that again, reminds me of the Ram, the Aries symbol. (laughs) It is just very Aries energy. Like I'm just going to keep, keep going at it until it works. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So the tarot card that is the number eight is the strength card, which represents Mm -hmm. our inner strength our fire, determination, courage, and even compassion. So Mm -hmm. if you look at the card, there's pictured a woman, you know, she's dressed very delicately, like flowing white dress and a flower crown on her head. And she's taming a lion, this roaring lion. Um, But she's not you know, she doesn't have it in a cage or on a leash or she's not using force or cruelty. She's just gently laying her hands on the lion's head. And through this approach, she's able to work with, you know, it's a metaphor for her inner beast or animal side, her shadow self, and channel these really strong animal-like desires in a positive way to get what mm-hmm. she wants. So, you know, the eights have this strong inner fire and when it's not channeled properly, it can be destructive, you know, just yeah. like real fire. A fire needs to be contained and maintained and stoked in order to be productive. This energy is intense. It can either create or destroy. R- reminds me of Hecate again. So Mm -hmm. it's it's about learning how to channel that intensity properly um, and being gentle with yourself. Again, the biggest, yeah. It gives, I always think as well, the strength card, I always think of another fire sign of Leo. And then I think of, I feel like the examples you've given as well, like despite having this quite, you know, determined, like hard, not hard, but like very determined, like fiery energy and so on. There's also a lot of heart there with this Enneagram as well. You know, Pink is someone that was very, very, you know, fiery. Oh my goodness. When she first came out, she had like the best attitude and like she really was like quite a force to be reckoned with, quite scary. But the examples of the people we've given, like they've also got a real strong heart and they're actually quite loving when they can kind of like set their guard down. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Which I think is you, like I really feel is you, like I always see you as like very, I can see like why the the barrier can come up, but I know and I feel like you've got like this huge heart and when you're like, and you know, this Enneagram in general, like when they're safe, they can kind of be like hugely loving and you know, that that's mine. Inter- I don't know, that's where I'm sort of feeling. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, honestly, safety is huge. That That's a really mm-hmm. big thing for seeing the best side of the eighth. Um, mm. But, you know, to kind of go in a rabbit hole again, um, 
the reason why I am an energy healer and a reader, um, it's because I went through it (laughs) myself Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I experienced a lot of healing that I really, really needed, you know, from my emotional trauma, from my childhood, um, from my physical injuries and like living through chronic pain. Um, those things definitely put a chip on my shoulder. Like why me? Why do I have to live this way when, you know, everyone else seems to have it so easy and I seem to have it so hard and I was bitter. Um, but I received a lot of healing. I received a lot of help, um, from people who were healers to me, who were guides and teachers to me. And it has helped to crumble down that rough exterior and that wall to where I feel safe. And honestly, I've changed so much. Like I felt like the only way I can really repay that is to kind of pay it forward. And that's why I want to be of service and heal and help and be a reader. But yeah, absolutely. I think that the eights do have a big heart when you you chip away at the exterior. And if you look at all of the examples you gave, you know, you said you felt bitter, like it's like every single one of them had something to be bitter and angry about. And that was the fuel to the fire. Oh, yeah. Like it's such a theme. And it's kind of like you took that negative and like absolutely fueled everything. And, and all of them, they've all got a similar backstory. And that has mm-hmm. fueled their absolute, you know, like why they are just who they are. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Mm. <laughs> word for word. Yes. Love that. One last thing I would point out about the strength card Um, This actually comes from one of my tarot students. Her name is Elena. So hi, Elena, if you're listening. Um, She gave me a reading (laughs) and (laughs) she drew the strength card for me, which makes sense. I do draw it a lot. And she Mm -hmm. said something that I had never thought of before and I absolutely loved, which is when we pull the strength card, we kind of look at it from the perspective of the woman um, because we're human. Mm -hmm. So we look Mm -hmm. to the human on the card. But she said, what if you looked at, what if you read this card from the perspective of the lion? So just like the eight, you know, a lion being incredibly strong and fierce and intimidating. And however, we see the lion on the card, looking up at the woman with just absolute trust and surrender. Mm-hmm. And this, this shows how it can be incredibly healing for the eight to find that person or that environment or that healer or whatever it is that they trust beyond a shadow of a doubt where they can mm-hmm. finally let their guard down and show their soft side and allow themselves to be supported or taken care of at once. And they can let go of the feeling of having to do it all themselves and they can accept yeah. help and accept care Um, That has been a big theme for me too, is accepting help or letting other people do things for me. So I thought that that was genius that she said that. Oh, absolutely. I've never thought about flipping it on its head like that. That is a really good way to look at that card, definitely. Yes. Okay, so we're on to our final Enneagram type, which is the nine. 
and the nines are called the peacemakers. Mm -hmm. Their basic fear is of conflict, of loss and or separation. They desire to have inner stability, peace of mind, and to know that their presence matters and makes a difference. They're motivated by wanting to create harmony in their environment, to avoid conflict, avoid tension, uh, to preserve the peace, and to resist whatever would rock the boat. So the type nine is receptive, reassuring. They can sometimes be complacent or resigned, very agreeable. They just want harmony. They can make great mediators between people. They're, they can be very good at diffusing difficult situations mm -hmm. or easing conflict. They show up very calm, cool, and collected. Um, they're mm -hmm. very fluid and they kind of just move easily and gracefully through the world. Mm -hmm. They tend to be modest and humble and they will set aside their own feelings in order to not rock the boat and if it will benefit the group dynamic. Um, so because of this, they're very adaptable and they can get along with just about anyone and just about any situation and are a great addition to any group or community or workspace. They can be afraid of asking for too much or feeling like their needs are a burden. So they tend to hide their suffering and just deal with it on their own and not ask for help. They can be easily exhausted or burnt out. And for this reason, sometimes they can be procrastinators or abandon projects midway because they just don't have the energy they'd rather not fight against the obstacles they want to preserve their inner peace so the tarot card associated with the number nine is the hermit so the hermit is all about soul searching introspection being alone and listening to your inner guidance so mm -hmm. the hermit you know climbs ascends the mountain um, to be alone, to process their experiences and turn them into wisdom. So they are all about seeking enlightenment and having that time to themselves so they build up their inner light and so they can enjoy their inner light. Um, the hermit is about wisdom. Like they don't so much seek answers from other people, but they have a strong like internal compass of their the direction that they know is right for them. So yeah. they don't rely on other people as much. Um, they don't mm -hmm. seek out the company of others as much. Um, not because they're like the grouchy, crotchety old man, which I feel like is sometimes the stereotype <laughs> of the hermit. Um, yeah. but it's just like their inner world is so rich that they need time to explore it and enjoy it. It's like, the type of person that can just spend hours like just staring out the window and thinking or journaling or meditating that is very like the type nine enneagram they they need to sort out all their deep thoughts they have a lot of wisdom 
Mm-hmm. Um, but as we see on the card, you know, the hermit stands on the mountain with his lantern and he's shining the light from his lantern. I like to think like down at the town beneath him. So this shows that even though the hermit kind of goes off on his own to do his own inner work, he wants to share with others the light that he creates from it. And so in this way, the hermit is like a humanitarian, which is again, very peacemaker type nine. So it's about bringing the wisdom to others, sharing that with others. Um, And he's saying, I have climbed this mountain. I have achieved inner peace and you totally can too. And I'm going to show you how to do that. And yeah, it's funny because my example for the Enneagram nine is Marie Kondo, you know, her home organizing show. So she's the same way. Like, it's just the way she moves. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Almost like a ballerina or like she doesn't weigh anything. She just like wafts into the room and (laughs) she has such a gentle demeanor, like the way that she talks. She just like Mm. exudes peace and she, her work, like helping these people declutter, organize their homes. She Mm -hmm. is kind of like a mediator in a way, because usually she shows up, um, these people are kind of living in chaos and they're kind of fighting. The house is a mess. They can't find anything. Um, Mm -hmm. So she comes in and she brings peace to the home environment. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I think it makes sense. I think the Enneagram nine is someone who so much values peace in their home environment. Um, they probably are very organized, have a very beautiful home, safe space. Yeah. You know? Okay. So the tarot card associated with the number nine is the hermit. So the hermit is all about soul searching, introspection, being alone and listening to your inner guidance. So the hermit, you know, climbs, ascends the mountain um, to be alone, to process their experiences and turn them into wisdom. So they are all about seeking enlightenment and having that time to themselves so they build up their inner light and so they can enjoy their inner light. Um, The hermit is about wisdom, like they don't so much seek answers from other people, but they have a strong, like internal compass of their, the direction that they know is right for them. So they don't rely on other people as much. Um, They don't Mm -hmm. seek out the company of others as much. Um, Not because they're like the grouchy, crotchety old man, which I feel like is sometimes the stereotype (laughs) of the hermit. Um, It's just like their inner world is so rich that they need time to explore it and enjoy it. It's like the type of person that can just spend hours like just staring out the window and thinking or journaling or meditating that is very like the type nine Enneagram. They, they need to sort out all their deep thoughts. They have a lot of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we see on the card, you know, the hermit stands on the mountain with his lantern and he's shining the light from his lantern. I like to think like down at the town beneath him. So this shows that even though the hermit 
kind of goes off on his own to do his own inner work, he wants to share with others the light that he creates from it. And so in this way, the hermit is like a humanitarian, which yeah. is again, very yeah. peacemaker type nine. So it's about bringing the wisdom to others, sharing that with others. Um, and he's saying, I have climbed this mountain. I have achieved inner peace and you totally can too. And I'm going to show you how to do that. Um, so the type nine, you know, this teaches the type nine that their needs and healing is important, you know, because they want to sweep that under the rug for the benefit of everyone else, but their healing is going to be healing to other people because they are this beacon of peace. People are attracted to them, want to be around them. And especially when they're healed, it feels so good to be around them. So it, it teaches them that when your own needs are met, you will actually be an even better, even better equipped to help other people and to be of service. Like you can't pour from an yeah. empty cup type of thing. So this teaches the Enneagram type nine that their needs and their healing is important because how we heard they tend to sweep their own emotions or needs under the rug in order to benefit everything, everyone else. Well, actually, if you really want to help other people, you have to help yourself first. Like when your own needs are met, you are better equipped to help others and be of service. Like you can't pour from an empty cup sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And if you do really want to help others make the world a better place, working on yourself is a great place to start. Um, and that is the peacemaker's way. They're, they're not so much standing on the street corner and preaching and um, telling people how to be better, how to have more peace in their lives. They more lead by example. Um, again, they're just fluid and graceful. They're just going to show you how to do it in their own quiet and beautiful way. They have a lot of wisdom. So we've been through a lot. We just went through all nine archetypes with the Enneagram and the tarot. Um, thank you so much for hanging on because I know that that was a lot of information. Um, but like you, Carly, I just find this so fascinating how these two systems, which are independent of each other, are talking about the exact same thing. And um, it's really interesting because the Enneagram, no one is quite sure where it came from. Um, mm. It could be very, very ancient. Um, there are many different theories of where it came from, um, whether that's from different religions or spiritual practices or people who had visions, so on and so forth. And, you know, tarot is the same way. Like a lot of people yeah. say it's from... Uh, like a card game in 15th century Italy, but there are also other theories that it's uh, from the ancient Egyptians or it's related to the Kabbalah. And I mean, same thing with the Enneagram. Um, so these are two seemingly independent systems. I honestly think there's a slight possibility they kind of came from the same place, but Either way, they could be two independent systems that came about in such a similar way. They have a similar backstory, but the Enneagram being like a personality test, it's more in the vein of like Myers-Briggs, you yeah. know, that one, or the Finder, which are very mainstream 
um, like I remember at my old like corporate office job, we did those types of personality tests, you know, and tarot, although it's growing in popularity all the time and actually becoming like super trendy, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, mm -hmm. But still, tarot was looked at as being like woo woo and out there and spiritual. But the same people who think that personality tests are legit, I mean, we're talking about the exact same archetypes. Like we're all agreeing that the, this is like a huge truth of the human psyche. So I just love that so much. Oh, I really feel as well once you start to get into, and actually, you can really drill down each enneagram and like you know there's there's loads of different resources to go really deep into it you've gone really deep into it but there are like you know I'm sure there's other ways you can look at it further if you find out what yours is and you want to build on it this is brilliant because actually there's a little bit I looked into since doing the Enneagram test but Erin has given me so much more on this episode than I managed to pick up but I just personally find it fascinating I know it was in depth but I really value all of that information. I think it was, yeah, brilliant, honestly. Good. But not just for yourself, like to understand all the people around you. And actually, you can start to understand that's why that relationship works really well. Maybe that's why I struggle with that boss because they are that Enneagram and I'm the absolute opposite with this yep. one. Like you can really try to break down what you might need to do in regards to make that relationship work to understand what's important to them. Or, you know, you could really use it to your advantage if it's like a relationship that you can't avoid or you right. want to improve or you want to build on. Like, yeah, like it's really so many ways you can use it. Right. It, it helps you understand like what makes people tick and what's really going on beneath the surface. Like when we can't really explain why are they doing that? Or why am I acting like this? <laughs> so yeah. like, I think especially learning the core fears um, is so helpful and just learning what is going on beneath the surface. But like you said, like this was a lot of information but the Enneagram does go so much deeper than we were even able to get to today. Um, so if you're interested, I say like learning about the wings, um, the arrows that may mean nothing to you at this point. Um, but there, it goes even deeper. So there's just so much to explore if you find it interesting. And I think I now can't remember what Enneagram it was, but everyone, whatever one that was like, they will just remind themselves on a daily basis, not to become a cult leader. Yes. <laughs> the five. <laughs> Yeah, number five. Please, whatever you do, don't get out of balance. Yeah, we do not yeah. need any more cult leaders. Genius um, check. Yeah, like, come on, you're amazing. You're so creative. You're so intelligent. Please stick with that. Um, Erin, <laughs> we are not worthy. You are the absolute tarot queen. Like, I cannot say it enough. You are honestly amazing where can everybody find you and like tell us a bit about what you're doing at the moment hit us with it please oh thank you so much you're you were too sweet um what am I doing at the moment so I offer tarot readings like one-on-one -on -one in depth readings over zoom which is fun because we could do anywhere in the world and still have spiritual communication 
Um, so you can book tarot readings on my website, um, which is arcanacrafts.co. Um, I am also an energy healer. So my healing modality is a mix of psychic energy healing and Reiki. And so I offer distance healings uh, from my website as well. Um, I am doing some in-person events around the Seattle area. I like to read tarot at like metaphysical fairs and uh, fun events, things like that. I do parties. So if you're in the Seattle area and you would like a tarot reading at um, an event or a party, hit me up. Um, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is arcana.crafts.co. And then my Twitter and TikTok are both Arcana Crafts Co. Oh, and she's got some amazing videos. All the Stevie Nicks witchiness that you would expect. <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous soul. Like, yeah, you've got to go check her out. And actually, I was going to say, I had a Zoom reading with Erin and it was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. She was spot on. Loads of things that she gave me. This was a while back. Loads of things she gave me. All, all happened. On, I think I said this on our um, last episode. So, yeah really really can testify that she's a wonderful tarot reader the tarot queen that's all I can say on that <laughs> thank you so much I mean it was I a blast be... to give you a reading pardon it was a blast to give you a reading I, I just oh, love to I do love it. it yeah no you were so spot on there were so many things that you would not not have known because it was the very early days of us meeting one another as well so there were lots that you All came right. out with that nobody, nobody was aware of what was going on but I will put everything in the show notes so you can find Erin but yes go check her out she's got some wonderful tarot videos on her Instagram TikTok and so on Erin thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me you made, you made that so much fun you just make me laugh the whole time so thank you so much for having me on again softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.